now we're going to build not enabling, we're going to build the killer applications and services that actually will help us to do things. I, I just had a discussion. We, If we can get one million of our fans to, to get into just um, subscribing to, to material from uh, uh, near live clips or, or specific info from the clubs, it's, it's going to be worth more than the TV agreements quickly. And, and that's totally new ground for us because we've never been there. Uh, we didn't have the opportunity a couple of years ago. We could never do that. Uh, today, we have the structure that we can actually create those services. Welcome back to the sixth episode of the Football Business Podcast. This time, we're talking about how to support your clubs as a league. I have two brilliant guests as usual on the show. It's the CEO of the Swedish Football League, Mats Enquist, and the CEO of Malmö FF, Niklas Kalnen. He is also an executive board member of the European Club Association. Now, let's get right into it and see how to support your clubs as a league. Welcome to our sixth episode of the Football Business Podcast. My name is Fabio Schaub and I'm very glad to have Mats and Niklas on this podcast. Thank you very much for joining. Thank, Thank you, you for much. having us. So let's start right into it. Uh, Mats, what does it need for a league to support your clubs? Oh, I think you need to have um, a combination of, of big ears to try to understand what the club actually needs, but you also have to have some, some own ideas of what to do to develop football because... Sometimes the club perspective uh, is, is very much on the club perspective and, and they can't see really the national possibilities or otherwise. So I think it, it needs to be a sharing of ideas to understand that the clubs are the ones that actually give you uh, your job and, and, and also to give the clubs a perspective that is sometimes broader than the club knows and can understand for themselves. So I think it's an interaction. Um, could you tell us some ways of collaborations with clubs? What are possibilities? I, I think we've done a lot uh, in Sweden. We try to figure out how to do with central agreements, uh, with IT, to work together with CSR projects. Malmöher is a great example of starting a, a project that turned national after a while. So there are a million ways if you just start to work. With, and I think the key element is trust. Mm. Uh, you have to understand that we actually are working together um, and not fighting each other. How do you? How can you build this um, environment of trust, especially well, in football where you're fighting on the pitch? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you have to separate what's been done on the pitch because uh, that is hard to to sort of take out of the equation. You are fighting each other, but uh, working with the club managers like Niklas here or or. With the, with the chairman, uh, it's a different story because then we find out that we have a lot more in common also uh, to, to create business values or market values or, or uh, solutions for fans or whatever. That's that's not just a club issue. And, and on those terms, we can cooperate. Mm -hmm. So, Niklas, for you as a club, um, what's crucial for you? What do you expect from the league? I think... Uh I think that we need the support. Uh, you know, when we do do things and uh, we we try to uh, to be innovative and, and find new strategies and, and uh, in that in that always try to 
get more spectators on the on to the stadium and also to to the club as members and so on and we have the possibility to do some of that but if it should be if we want the way supporters to come with us to the way games then we need the infrastructure also on the uh, the other stadiums and uh, the league can help us with the criteria of what level should it be uh, the standard of uh, the away section and so on but also ticketing systems and, and many many more things that i think is important to to increase the level of the league but also make it easier for the supporters mm. So the support the supporters are um, really important to you as a league and obviously um, for the club. Um, in a time where money seems to be more and more important, how do you how how can you give them a feeling of belonging? <coughs> yeah, should Nicholas or I take it from a league or a club? From perspective? both perspectives, maybe start with you, Mats. Nicholas can start. This or Nicholas, time. <laughs> please. Yeah. Okay, so f I think we have an edge. Uh, we have uh, something that's rather unique in the European football landscape with membership-owned clubs. So the supporters, the members, that's the foundation of the club. We build with the, with the local, regional, or in some case national um, supporters. Uh, they could be members and with that also owners of the clubs. So I think they are in... In, in a very high degree involved and understand the economic situation and the, um, the things that are happening both on, in Sweden and the European side of football. And they also know that the importance of money is close connected to the sporting results in, in a longer perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I can give you a couple of examples. I think when we and our clubs started the current ambition that we are working with to, to become a, a better league together. One of the key elements was supporters. And, and we decided to say that supporters are a recognized stakeholder. They are part of the family. They're not just someone coming to the stands and paying. They are, they are part of football. Um, some of them are really part of it. Like Nicholas said, they, they might be members on a club. But a anyone that's interested in football is actually a part of what we're doing. Um, and I think a great example, we, we, we constantly keep talking to both the local and national support unions to, to sort of clear up and, and be informative and help each other and try to find solutions together. A current issue is, is the Sweden is, uh, has not yet implemented uh, the VAR solution, video assisted refereeing. Um, and we chose a path that says that uh, the league will, has now brought forward a decision uh, material, um, just just arguing about what is VAR, how, what what are the rules, what does it consist of. Uh, so so nothing argumentative, whether it's good or bad. It's just all the facts, and this has now been released to all the clubs. Uh, so the clubs can can use this in in their decision making, and it's also been released to the fans. So all fans in Sweden now has a this is public. So in the summer now this year. We're going to collect whatever the clubs are saying. Some have already decided. Some will take the decisions in the spring. But there's not one fan in Sweden that doesn't have a chance to, to, to make his or her voice heard. And SFSU, who is the central uh, organization for all the fans in Sweden, has, has been a stakeholder that's also in the report what their opinion is. So I think that's a unique way of, of doing it. It takes a little bit of time, but hopefully when it's, when it's done, even if we don't... Do, find an easy way to unite on this issue. It's a tough one. Everybody has been part of it. Um, so I think that's 
rather unique. I, I haven't seen it being done that way in, in, in other countries. So it's about being transparent and um, it's also about giving your fans a voice. So, yeah, but it, recognizing that the fans are a part of the football family. Mm, but if they have a voice, couldn't it be too crowded? It's like too many people are speaking then? No, they have to obviously find people that... In, in Sweden, we have the SFSU, the, the, the United Supporter Union of, in, in Sweden. So um, for myself, I, I know the same fact is for most clubs. Um, I've got my Twitter account, I got my email, I got my phone number constantly out there. I'm answering all the questions from all and any fan in Sweden today. And I've been doing that for 10 years now. Mm. Uh, first two years were horrible, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it was quite a toxic environment. Today it's not. Um, so I think some people are afraid of speaking to the fans because it can be a sort of rowdy group uh, and, and hard to really address. But uh, I think our experiences, with some bad uh, exclusions, obviously, but generally um, I think the path we have in Sweden is, is a very good one. So you said there was a toxic situation before. What has changed? I think the dialogue and the respect. Uh, so, so we speak to each other on, on a weekly basis uh, and, and in some clubs almost on a daily basis. Um, and, and, here, and all the fans can contact us. It's always an open line, uh, mm. truly. So I think that gives respect, even if fans sometimes can be really irritated about things there's a channel to, to discuss it and uh, even if it goes up on on the stress level it also comes down when you when you get the chance of talking about it mm. so that's something you always hear about the swedish superpower you can work together you actually on certain things you can sit together on a table and discuss things um for from a holistic standpoint so that everyone can benefit from it Uh, Niklas, have you also seen a lot of improvement between um, the communication between your fans to the club since the league has changed a lot of things in terms of communication? I think in in our club, I think we always, I have been around the last seven years, but I think we always have had a good communication with the fans. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's shifting because of the digital uh, uh digitalization uh, so it, it the social media and so on but we still have our membership meetings uh, the yearly meeting uh, and i think the connection is is quite close uh, you when we not 2020 because of the pandemic but the years before i always walked around the stadium on on match days just to to answer questions and to to speak to supporters and members and to understand what's on the table at the moment but As you know, as many supporters, fans we have, as many opinions we have. So mm. it, you, you need to find the, the common ground and try to, to work from that. Mm. But, but to be to be honest, I, I maybe wasn't maybe I wasn't so clear. But I think uh, exactly like Nicholas is saying, on the club level, there's been a good dialogue with fans for a long time. I think what I was referring to is we also on a national level now have a, a much better dialogue because that wasn't very good before, that's for sure. Okay, I understand. I think on, on club level, I think it's been good for a long time. We are run by our supporters, our members anyway. So, um, But I think on, on league level, it, it wasn't really on that best of notes in 2012 when we started to work. Mm. 
Niklas, um, one problem you always read about when you read about Scandinavian football is that many people tend to watch the Premier League over their domestic league. Um, what can you do as a league and together, or as a club, together with the league to um, bring people into the stadiums from your hometown club? I think that 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 opinion was more true before. I think it was... Uh, Uh, you know, we're one of the first countries that had the Premier League in 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 the beginning of the on the of the TV broadcasting. I think so. We I grew up with uh, watching uh, Premier League on TV, and and that of course also made a lot of interest of, of foreign leagues leagues. But I think that the self confidence in the Swedish league has increased massively the, the last years. And when we see, I think Mats have the numbers in his head, but when we compare it today. Uh, the the Swedish league is the first league in, that comes in mind before the the foreign ones, and uh, we have proved ourselves in the European competition and sh and also in the in the um, uh, uh, the national team competitions. So I think we have a good self confidence and and the the, the interest in the local and, and regional. Is, is much higher today than before. Uh, what? Yeah, and I yeah. can I can com I can complement that when when we started this project in 2012 to try to raise the importance of the league nationally because it's mainly nationally we're not an international league in that sense. We said we don't we don't claim to be the best league in Europe because it's a long way to walk, but we can be the best league in Sweden and maybe in the Nordics. Um, so we said then we need to work on our home base, our home pitch. And when we started, when we took the the, uh, uh, the test with all the Swedes, what they were thinking, opinions, uh, they, they placed uh, the, the first league they wanted to support in, in football was Premier League. It, it was around, let's say, 36, 37% of, of the football interested people had Premier League as number one. And Allsvenskan, our top league, was at 11% and sinking. So that was the starting point. Today we almost uh, switched. I think the last uh, recording I saw is that Allsvenskan is around 38% and, and Premier League is the second strongest league, is around 17%. So that's a big change. And I think we've done that together with our fans, uh, together with the work we've been doing with the league and the clubs. Um, because I, I, I genuinely believe that Swedish football on the elite level is very good, but we hadn't got our things together. Uh, I think clubs were doing a great job, but we didn't connect it really. And that's, I think, the base of the success is that we connected the clubs, the league and the fans in, in new ways and, and uh, both technical, which we're going to talk about later, I saw that on the IT side, but also working together, talking together. Mm. I mean, you almost swapped the numbers from yeah. 11 to 38 to 17 and 38 percent, which is uh, fascinating, to be honest. Um, mm. I guess this is a process and this is not one project that works. I mean, there are many little, small, tiny things that adds up and, and then uh, after maybe 10 years, then you will see the results. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And I, <laughs> I must say, when Lars Hist and I came in and started talking about these crazy things that wasn't very much related to playing football or winning matches so much, I, I think many of the clubs with, with all right were quite skeptic. But but they, <laughs> they had the patience to 
to, to give us some time and try to show that the, the areas we wanted to work on could actually help and eventually it did. So I think a, a key issue is to have that trust and the support. Without that, we, we couldn't have moved anywhere. And I think also it's important to have also trying to have uh, an outside in perspective. It's, it's, it's very easy to stand and say, why aren't they coming? Why, why aren't they paying more? Because we are good. Because that's obviously what we feel. But we have to put ourselves outside looking into football and say, okay, this is why people aren't coming in, in greater numbers. This is why the sponsors aren't paying more. Let's change that. And, and I think that is something that the clubs and, and the league together has been working hard on and, and still are working hard on. How can you how yeah. can you get this outside in perspective? It seems like very difficult, especially when you're in this funnel. Well, I think it's it's a matter of of mindset. Uh, so you have to start. At the the initial in Sweden was a was a consultancy firm that didn't work, know anything about football, and and the it was the elite football uh, board that that sort of knew this and, and engaged this firm. And based on that, they took me in, and I, and I, I think I'm maybe one example also because I'm not from the football family. I'm, I'm coming from the outside, so I could add a few things uh, together with all the great experience that was already in football. So you you get a blend of different opinions you can start working with. Niklas, you wanted to add something? No, I'm, just that we also have a, a big improvement in the infrastructure with so many new stadiums the last couple of years. So uh -huh. the experience, not only the football has become better, I think, but also the way that you are able to see the football with with everything around it. So uh, I, I think we have improved in many ways. So is it you? Uh, yeah. To be honest, you're quite right. And, and this has started before this project. So we were quite fortunate that many of the decisions had led to great new arenas been coming up both on club level and on 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 the level from from the FA so but without that it would would have been tougher but um, everything needs to be a piece of a puzzle yeah infrastructure is always a topic for mid-sized leagues i'm from austria i know it from here as well um it gives a whole different picture if if the stadiums are closed if if the fans are inside the stadium so um that was actually i guess a big step to improve yeah mm. i think it's 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 a chain of it's a chain of uh, things that i mean some of them malmö for instance uh, in 2000 they were down in the second division in sweden and uh, today they are the strongest club in sweden by far uh, and that development doesn't come for free either it's it's uh, i'm not supposed to be cheering for any specific club I might be, but it's serious in that case, not Malmö. <laughs> Sorry, Niklas. Uh, but you, you must give credit to the clubs that have actually been working from Superetta level to being the top club in Sweden. And that journey doesn't come with one decision. It, it comes with a, a long-term mindset as well as the league. It has to be a long-term mindset. And, and finally, eventually, it pays off. Mm. And I think that's one of the key things we need to discuss in, in Sweden also, that Many of the clubs that want to take this this trip, they are so pressured by trying to deliver next Saturday uh, that they sort of forget the long-term perspective. It, it falls on the side. And we, we change staff, we change management, we, we change the board. Um, we should give our clubs more time to work on their journey uh, besides trying to deliver on Saturday. That's a key thing, I, I think, for the future. 
Niklas, which developments the league has done in recent years, um, maybe particularly on a technological perspective, were the most helpful for you as a league? Oh, I think it's it's many things. I think one a little bit on what perspective you have, because if you have it from the fans to support the perspective, you are a user. You are a user of the interfaces and the Wi-Fi and the ticketing system and so on. Uh, but I think uh, creating a, a connection with the system uh, together, so we can have a, a better. Uh, uh, material for decisions. I think that's uh, collecting the data and that's what's happening now. And now we are finding ways to, to use the data and, uh, and improve ourselves in our communications with segmented um, fans and supporters. So we, I think we are in the, in the middle of the journey, mm. but we have created a, the, um, the structure to, to actually uh, develop the business. Mm. and uh, and the experience for for the fans so to to put a, a framework that we can work together with uh, i think one of the easiest is is what i said before the the ticketing system where you can use the same ticketing system when you go to the home matches as away matches and an easy easy bit but very important yeah and i think nicholas says this very well um it's it's a long hard expensive and pretty boring journey to try to lay out the tracks for a railroad. Uh, it's more fun when you can start operating it and, and driving trains and transporting passengers, if you understand my, po my point. And I think we spent a lot of time now to, to build this infrastructure. And obviously, the, the biggest clubs like, for instance, Malmö or Oiko, Hammarby, Djurgården, Gothenburg, etc. They are, they are the most advanced uh, in their own IT strategy. And, and uh, are sort of a bit eager to get this railroad coming up to their needs. But as Nicholas said, we're, we're quite at that point right now. We're going to switch from building on the broad side to building on the top side. Um, and I think this is going to be the most profitable part. We, we made a lot of sort of enabling technology that helped us take steps upwards. But now we're going to build not enabling, we're going to build the killer applications and services that actually will help us to do things. I, I just had a discussion. We, If we can get one million of our fans to to get into just um, subscribing to, to material from uh, uh, near live clips or, or specific info from the clubs, it's, it's going to be worth more than the TV agreements quickly. Well, that's, so, that, that's and, and that's totally new ground for us because we've never been there. Uh, we didn't have the opportunity a couple of years ago. We could never do that. Uh, today, we have the structure that we can actually create those services. And, and, and if we're going to bring in another 50 million euros uh, from somewhere, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to come from something. Nobody's going to give it to us. So these are platforms now that we can work together with the clubs um, on, on a big scale, big data scale and big, big user scale. So yeah, the next five years um, turns more from railroading to operating, I would say. Mm. <laughs> a little bit funnier, more interesting parts. So two or three questions <laughs> to this, because this seems really interesting. First of all, is there any other league in Europe you are aware of where a self-built model of collecting data and interacting with the fans could be a bigger revenue driver than the TV rights? Yeah, I would say if you exclude the uh, 
super leagues that have international sales over the, all over mm. the world. Uh, I think even them could do that because they have such a big fan base. That's why they are making money all over the world. Um, but it's it's a long journey, to be honest. Mm. And you have to understand that you have to take small steps and you have to be very consistent. But yeah, I would say that uh, the TV market is going from a straight broadcaster deal that pays you money to get exclusive rights over to much more diversified solutions, micropayment solutions, interactions with fans on different things and sort of uh, a more shattered solution than just selling to one broadcaster. And in the end, it will absolutely uh, premiere the one that's sitting on the right. So, so my arguing when I'm out in Europe speaking about it, I say that it's very easy. On one hand, you have everything that's interesting about football, and that's we, because we create that. On the other hand, you have all the people that are interested in this, whether it's transfer rumors or the match data or the, the next game or a clip of a goal or a penalty gone wrong or not not wrong, etc., etc. All that goes out to the end customer, the supporter. The less we can have in, uh, interference between those two, the better. Mm. So this, let's say, let's put it this way, the revenue streams uh, won't really be much bigger, obviously a little bit, but they will shift to different platforms. Yeah. So um, let's say you have you've built your own platform. Niklas, my question to you is, as Malmö is one of the biggest clubs, wouldn't you expect to get the biggest share then? The biggest share? Well, we have a, in, in, the, in the central uh, distribution system, we have a, a model that we use to, to divide that. But uh that's mainly for the for the bigger sponsorship like the tv and so on uh i think when you go to the to the system where you actually can count the the users and you can see where they come from where you will have a shift in the system and that will change and i think the the big clubs with the with the high uh, attendances uh with a lot of members and so on of course that will generate more revenue for them Mm. Yeah, it, it and it would go directly to the club that's gener generating it, but you would use the common platform uh, as basis for for uh, invoicing and, and customer data and video publishing, etc. You wouldn't build that on every club, but you build the local solution and you get the money back for those directly to the club. And I think that's just fair. So we have some money that goes from central agreements, goes out to this distribution model that the clubs unite on. Niklas always thinks that it's too little to Malmö, and, and that's the <laughs> same thing with all the other 31 clubs. <laughs> yeah. But but we are uniting on it and fighting for it. The interesting fact is, though, that um, if Niklas and I, we normally have a very good tone and very good cooperation, but if we fight about something, it's about when we need to interject something on the arena, for instance. We have a central agreement with, with a partner that's for all the clubs in Alsvenskan, and say we need... We need uh, six seconds on, on the LED screens, or we need a, a sign on the on the entrance, etc. That's always a big, big issue because every club has their own strategy and they have their own sponsors. But why is it a problem mainly with Malmö and a few others? Because you already sold it full, and and the club needs those spaces. We understand that. Um, so that's also a reason why it's important to find new platforms because the old ones are pretty crowded. Mm. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, we need to get into the old platforms a bit, but that's always going to be a very limited resource. So we need to find new platforms. You find new platforms and it seems like you have found new platforms. 
Um, and the very interesting thing, uh, that was my, my follow-up question to the previous one, um, it's a game about data. I mean, we have done five previous episodes and I think in every single no. episode we're talking about data. It's the, the new gold, whatever you want to call it. Who sits on the data? Is it a club or is it a league? Uh, today, the data is uh, produced uh, together. Uh, so the league is producing the data generally. The, the club, if they want ownership of specific data, it's always the club's data. We cannot take anything away from the club. But but uh, sort of the match production data is, is centralized. Mm. But they only have access to their own data. So they cannot access uh, data from their rival, I guess, yeah. But it's been discussed, so okay. we're, we're going to see where it ends up. So if the clubs want to share data from other teams, etc., it might be an issue. But but we don't let anyone do that before everybody's united, like sporting data, for instance. Yeah. Okay, Niklas, but what's what's there, there oh, are some there are some data that obviously will be public. For instance, how how far does all the players run on the pitch? That's that's now a, a public issue. It's mm. it's not specific for just the home trainer. Niklas, what's your perspective on it? I think, as you have said, with the sporting side, we have always been in the forefront in the in the data collection and the, the use of the information and how we should develop the players and the injury statistics and the opponent statistics and so on. So we have been very well developed in in that area. Now we're trying trying to do the same. As in everything, you have business secrets that you don't always want to uh, share with your your opponents. But I also think that when you are uh, in in the lead and in, in the leading development, even if you share the data or the information or the strategy, you have al- already done it. So yeah. the ones that are listening, they have a way to go before they will come up to you and or come up next to you. So it's always important as one of the leading clubs to keep on uh, develop so you will stay in front because it's always easier to to try to come up. Mm. And I think it's very important to understand that the league has no, at least a very limited amount of of rights. Um, So it's... it's, uh, I worked with golf before, and St Andrews Golf Club in Scotland sort of own has owned the, the right the rules of golf for a very long time. There's no, no logical reason other other than that they are the ancient <laughs> golf club. But normally we would get into a structure of national associations and um, uh, and so on. I mean the FIFA, UEFA, the FA in Sweden, etc., are, are governing the rules in football. But they say we do it by the clubs, sorry, the, the, the rest of the world of golf uh, gives the consent to RNA to run this. And I think in our league, it's more or less the same. We can only do things that the clubs allow us to do. So I think the key issue is to try to discuss, uh, like we said before, some some practical impacts that will be troublesome. We need to solve them. Uh, but generally, we need to discuss the greater good. If, if we sort of unite on the bigger value it's always easier to discuss the practical implementation. But if we just throw things at the club's faces, it's going to be a, a tough match, that's for mm-hmm. sure. So we sit together a lot. We meet a lot. We discuss a lot. And, and from that, we find things we want to work with. To to sum this whole IT technological improvements up, what are actually the key foundations you have met? I mean, we've heard 
There, there's a, a ticket platform which is used by every club. Um, there is also, as far as I'm aware, an, an app which um, is pretty similar at every club. And you've also installed Wi-Fi in almost every stadium in, in Sweden. Has there been, first of all, any problems with some clubs? And secondly, um, what are the next things you're planning to do? Yeah, maybe I should start, Niklas, and you fill it in. I, I think the, the, the biggest issue was to unite on, on the greater good, as I said before. Why should all the football clubs in Sweden start this crazy project, which is going to cost a lot of blood, sweat and tears and money, to be honest? Uh, well, we, we argued a lot on, on the value we wanted to, to reach. And, and today it's easier to speak about it because we reached, we reached already some of the levels that really pay off. And we, we now see the next levels we can reach. But <clears throat> we started by connecting all the arenas. Uh, so all arenas in Sweden are sitting together in the same fiber, high-speed fiber network. So there is a connection to a central uh, unit uh, uh, that's in Stockholm that collects all the data from all the arenas and all the contribution to all the media companies, broadcasters. That's, that's a system that we together own in, in elite football. The second was uh, to set up the Wi-Fi to get access to all the people coming to the arena. So there's an access point. And the third was obviously to get the CRM system to collect all the customer data and to, to see, see who they were. And I mean, it's a long project. It, this isn't easy. You have to really, really focus on what you want to achieve because it's not going to come quickly. So there are a lot of lot of parts, but I think most of the infrastructure, as Niklas said, is, is laid out there now. And I think the next step is trying to focus on the biggest clubs because they will have the most advanced needs on what to do on top of that platform. So we're actually shifting since a couple of months back only, I think, Niklas, uh, trying to focus less on infrastructure because it's the main parts are out there and more on, on uh, sort of the edge technology that will, because when the biggest clubs that are most advanced do this, they reach out to all their fans. It's going to create a, a huge funnel of interest into the system. And it will also be beneficial for the smaller clubs because that means we're going to take up technology applications that can be used by also the smaller clubs. So I think that's it's, it's a big shift. Like Nicholas said, we're halfway through. Um, and I think this is uh, this is the turning point to, to more focus on, on the big club needs right now. But I, I think it's it's not it's not the technology issue. It's about getting the accept that this is mm. an important topic, and we were quite early with that in Sweden. You see some bigger leagues now, and, and especially some bigger clubs that do this by this themselves. Uh, they don't need <laughs> they don't need the other clubs. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, in Sweden, I think we still have very good benefits of working together. Nicholas, what were your thoughts on it when? You heard the first time of it. What's the project going to be? Did you think, well, actually, we could do it by ourselves, or we had already done something by ourselves, or did you think, um, well, that's a good thing? Uh, we always try to, as I said before, be in the forefront of the development and use new th things and new ideas. But uh, to uh, I think uh, Mats before spoke about rail and and uh, locomotives and so on. We can always drive the train. We can be in the in driver's seat, and we do that with some of the other clubs. But we don't have the capacity, the power, the economic side on it to also lay the rail. So we need to do things together, and this is with the league, and this is why it 
it's so important for us to have uh, a unity. Sometimes it's a compromise, but but still to to make the investments because the investments are really really heavy for us. And with that, we can do all the stuff that we have been talking talking about. That's that's really cool to see how you collaborate on on different levels. I mean, um, especially in a competitive sport like football, um, there is so much rivalry which sometimes will brought from the pitch to different places and it seems like that you can really well differentiate when you should collaborate and when it's um, your opponent where, where you fight. So that's, that's really impressive and congrats on that. Uh, I think that that's amazing. A short commercial break. If you want to get even more insights to the global football business then you get in this podcast head to shop.footballbusinessinsight.com and have a look at our Inside Pro membership. This membership gives you free access to all our publications and more. Use the discount code PODCAST21 to save 10% on the membership fee. The offer is valid until the end of February 2021. And here we go with the podcast. Um, you also do some social project. Maybe, Mats, could you, could you tell us something about this? Yeah, I'll quickly pass it on to Niklas because okay. I think uh, one of our most uh, impressive and I think most uh, in one way odd projects uh, started in Malmö and, and uh, as we noted the success in Malmö we, we had a contact and we picked it up and it's now been run I think over 20 clubs in, in Sweden but uh, Niklas you should talk about it. it's your project your idea I think that it's perhaps it was our starting project, but it comes from the need in the society. I think that's very important. When you do things, there must be a need, something to fulfill, something to achieve together with the the municipal or the the, the companies or whatever it is in the in the near local area where you live. Um, I also think that you, as a club, you are in some case role models, and you have. Players are role models for uh, young people, even older people, of course. But you need to to do things that actually we are using the that you are the role model, and you need to do it in in a good, positive way to inspire others to do the same. So, if we can be the bridge between the companies and those outside of the employment market to help them to get the first job or perhaps the second job, then we should do that. And when the um, the different authorities came to us and said, okay, we have a problem to, to get the connections to the to the companies, could you help us? Of course, that's our platform because we have our partners, our sponsors. We can do that. And with that, we did uh, with both the companies, the clubs, of course, and authorities to find a way where we connected and could help the the people to to get the work uh, and if we can all the other clubs also can do the same and that was acknowledged with the national authorities and they try to implement it and i think it's in nine more cities than than ours but still you need to use <coughs> the power that you have as a role model and do it in a positive way Yeah, that's fantastic. A key, yeah. a key issue is, and I think this is uh, an exciting idea. When you play a home game, you see fans all over the arena. It's it's filled up in 
Eleda Stadium in Malmö, for instance. Uh, everybody's united on the same thing down there, at least. <laughs> it's, it's cheering for Malmö. Uh, maybe except for a few away supporters. But, but um, and, and the brilliance of the idea is saying, okay, a lot of these guys are unemployed. Uh, some of them are totally beside the market. They have never had a job. They don't have a CV. They are not employable, as, as some people say. But they love Malmö FF. And when they're on the stands, you, you can't really see the difference. So the brilliance was to connect all the supporters you had on that level together with all the sponsors that were actually running companies and supporting Malmö from that perspective. And, and meeting up in the, in, in, in the arena, playing football, uh, looking at the museum, talking about Malmö FF, they started up with something in common instead of a huge canyon of, of differences between them. And I'd say this is one of the most successful uh, unemployment solutions that ever has been in Sweden, as far as I know. Mm. It's a fantastic idea. And, and we picked it up gladly and are working together still with Malmö and also with other clubs now. So that's one example. Uh, there are millions, obviously. Yeah, it's a sense of giving back to, to the community, which makes yeah. the football great, actually. <laughs> But actually, yeah. I, I would put, take it one step further. We are creating, we are building the, the community together with everyone, and we are only one of the stakeholders. And if we can use the the positive power that we have, we are actually we should do that. That's that's the demand on us to help as much as we can. Mm. Niklas, football had. If, if sorry, no, no, that's okay, please. <clears throat> If, if we be a little bit self-critical and, and look, as I said, and being look outside in at ourselves, we do have a tendency sometimes to be a little bit full of ourselves and, and the, how fabulous we are. And I think what Nicholas just said is a great thing to recognize that we are one part of the society, not just being one part. We can actually be an active part of building a society, and we should be, besides playing, playing football, which we are good at. But we are also really, really strong in building societies. Mm. So the more you recognize that, the more help you'll get, the more support you will get, the more fans you will get, and the better we will be able to finance football also. So it's, it's, a, it's a wheel of success. Niklas, um, as I have you here, you're not only the CEO of Malmö, you're also on the board with the European Club Association. And we were talking about how important the fans are to to your club and, and they should belong to the football. But we also hear, hear rumors from a uh, European Super League. Um, how dangerous do you think it could be? And how realistic is it actually that it will be happen? Uh, the, the last question, uh, that one I can't answer because I think it's on the on the top clubs that have engaged in the discussions. But I always think that you should be able to be promoted or relegated from a system. I think it's it's uh, it's hard when it's a, a closed system. I think you should find a way, as we have today in the European competition with the champions route, that every champion has the possibility to play in the best competition, the highest ranked champions league, and to play against the uh, all the all the big teams from from Europe. I think that's really really important for for the football. Uh, development, the ecosystem, and so on. So that's my my big, big opinion on this. Mm. Okay. So thank you very much for it. No, your Fabio, time. I, I, yeah. I, oh, I have to comment on this one. Yeah, please. Sorry. <laughs> Before it shut us down. <laughs> I think two things people should really consider. First of all, we're a sport. 
And if the sporting values don't have sort of the strongest foothold, we're in trouble. So if commercial issues will define who is going to be able to, to play on the top leagues, we're just a circus, in my opinion. So what Nicholas said about being able to sort of go both up and down in a system, that's sports. Uh, the other issue, even if we have a system where you can go up and down in a system, is about how the money is distributed. So even if you don't create a closed league, there's still a big discussion in Europe on how to distribute the money that's coming into the central systems. And I said, if you have if you have a, a taxi company and, and you have a, 500 taxis, but you don't give it the same amount of gas to each car. And then you say, look at these fantastic cars. They are transporting more passengers. And this lousy one has only had a few ones before it was stopped on the, on, the, on the street. That's a stupid system. And it's an unbalanced system. And it's an unfair system. And I, I can recognize that you will get bigger recognition and more money if you are successful. There should be a reward, obviously. But today, the, the balance is shifting over so hard to the top clubs, not just by the Super League, but also by the money distribution in Europe, it's actually risking to set aside a lot of clubs that are fighting really hard and doing really good business because they don't get the same amount of gas as other ones do. I, I couldn't agree more on your point, but the main argument from the big clubs from a league like in Sweden, in Austria, in Switzerland, like Netherlands, the big clubs or even Bayern Munich, they will always say, we need the biggest chair and we need even more so we can compete on the international level. But you have you have the biggest club in Sweden here, and obviously that's part of the reasoning. Malmö mm. should want to and, and should try to get the biggest money to get out in Europe. It's important for all the clubs, but we don't sink other clubs because of that. Yeah. Uh, Malmö has always, as a big club, been really, really solidaric in the discussions we have in Sweden. So there is a reasonable point. Obviously, the biggest clubs that do the best work should get more money, but there is there is a limit when it gets sort of out of balance and mm -hmm. that's what the discussion is now it's out of balance not just it's it's not about everybody getting the same money I, i'm quite okay with the biggest club getting more money if they are successful but if the balance is making it impossible for small clubs to actually work their way up to the system that's not good and i think in sweden we always have this discussion how should the ecosystem work it's not easy but we always have it and we unite on solutions and we, we take steps forward Yeah, but, but, but there, are, there are many different levels in in these discussions. I think you can yeah. also you can have systems like the training compensation and uh, uh, a lot of different things. Also, uh, today we are fixed in a system with subdivisions where you have the big six league in subdivision one, and in Sweden as uh, as our league we are in in subdivision three. So that's also. Uh, the construction, how to get access to the different competitions. So I think it's a broader discussion with both the access possibilities to the yeah. to the to the different competitions. That's in a way today is limited, but still we have the champion spot, so that's important. So in the discussion, you will always come to comp compromises, and I think that's if we if we have the goal to to be more united, that will also drive the development. Mm. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Great. if a league can do this, then I'm pretty sure it's the Swedish league, which has proven now <laughs> over years that they, you really can collaborate and, and see the whole thing and um, where everyone can benefit from it. 
as a last question to both of you, where do you see Swedish football and the, from a club level and maybe even in general the football in Sweden in 10 years' time? Maybe start with you, Niklas. I think we will be the, the first sport in Sweden as we are today. I think we will have a great, uh, very big local and regional uh, uh, attendance to our club to, to have the membership, a great strong foothold to, to go from. Uh, I can also see that that's our advantage in the European context because there are more and more uh, privately owned clubs and we will still be the membership owned that you can actually engage with even though you're coming from another country you can become the member and you can uh, affect the decisions that we make so uh, the quality will increase both often on the pitch I, I couldn't add much to that. I think it's a perfect description. <laughs> perfect. <I'm in. laughs> so thank you very, very much um, for joining. I think it was really interesting. We even extended a little bit on the time. I hope that's okay for you, but I think it was worth it. So thanks for taking the time. It was a brilliant episode. And yeah, I wish you both all the best. And thank you. Thank thanks you, This podcast was produced by Podcast Fam.